What up everyone, this is the Toy Silver Film Club and I'm your host Faraz. Today we are discussing The Father. As you know from our preview, we really liked this film and wanted this to be the winner for Best Picture at the Academy Awards. But unfortunately, it wasn't. I think you will understand exactly why we really love this movie after listening to this episode. Remember, we have now done all the Best Picture nominees, so give them all a listen and follow us at the Twice Over on all the socials to keep up with our watch list. We'll be getting back to doing movies that we selected for one another next week. Alright, it's me, Fahad, and Yusuf for this episode. Alright, Fahad and Yusuf, we're back. Or are we back? Or do we ever leave? Are we in the same room? Does something look different? Who are we? When are we? That That is the question. Um, Let me check my watch. Oh, wait. I don't have a watch. <laughs> did you, did you take my watch? <laughs> do, you, do you have a receipt for that watch you're wearing? Let me see it. <laughs> Fahad, I think it's inside your podcast mic where you keep all your valuables. Well, let me check right there. Hang on. Oh, nope, God. Not there. <laughs> Yusuf, you must have stolen it. The, is, we're laughing now, but... yeah. That was really sad. I mean, just just that alone. I mean, we, we, oh need, my to God. Talk, we need to talk a lot about this movie, but, you yeah. know. And like, you know what? I made the worst mistake of watching it in the morning, and it just effed up the rest of my day. Oh, jeez. That's, um, that's, that's tragic. I mean, you know, something about this movie, um, I think you could watch it at different points in the day, and it, it would give you totally different vibe. I watched it at night, uh-huh. and I was creeped out in, in a way that, you know, th- th- there is like, especially not knowing anything coming into this movie. And I was serious when I said earlier, I thought it was like a, a about like, you know, British patriarchy or something. Because if you, if you, from the pace and the mood of like the intro scene of this movie with just like Olivia Coleman, you know, strutting down the street. You know, if you look at the name of the movie, the opera music that was playing, like I really could have been fooled into thinking it's just about like English family politics. Um, so, so like there was a moment where like, you know, suddenly there's like a, a door that slams right and that's the first moment where you know anthony's like wait what, what's going on here right and i really like felt like it was a horror movie and like i think that you know that pervaded throughout the movie for me like i felt creeped out even knowing that that's not what was going on i was continuously kind of like creeped out in this eerie way so i mean they just yeah like you said earlier uh in the preview just they did a really good balancing act between a few different genres that they were like towing the line of so um, I enjoyed that. I enjoyed kind of the way that they played with that. And it had your favorite thing. Maybe not exactly your favorite thing, but kind of your favorite thing in well, what in is the my unreliable <laughs> narrator. Yeah. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. The unreliable narrator. Uh, yeah, this is like the, the classic example of that, right? Um, yeah. And usually when we talk about it, it's kind of like a little bit couched. And, and, and I'll tell you even, right, I'm I'm typically stretching because I'm just trying to brought in kind of to a new interpretation of the movie right and so you can kind of bring in that element as like you know what do you trust but here it's all about what what can you trust out of everything that you probably can't trust is there anything that you can cling to as you know definitely reality or definitely true um so yeah there's a there is a lot to play with here so i didn't um I don't know what, in 10 minutes, right? I started noticing things and I was questioning myself because, again, I didn't know anything about the movie. And I was like, um, did I miss something? Uh, did something happen here? Did, did like Was I zoned out? Yeah. Like, I noticed like the changes in color, some furniture changes. Um, and I had no idea like what was going on. And then I didn't realize that this movie was going to be a mind-bending movie. <laughs> and then obviously once it hit me, like, oh my God, we're we're in the headspace of Antony here. Right. Um, So that's why we aren't sure about what we're seeing. Like, where are we? Uh, What time is it? Uh, Who is who? Like, who's Anne? Who's uh, Paul? Um, 
yeah, man, I was not prepared for all that. And once like it started clicking, like what's going on, uh, I just, I was so impressed and amazed. I was like, wow, this, this movie got me and it got me good. You know, like that was. Mm-hmm. And it, and it's, it's not a twist that comes late. It's a twist that comes early. It's like yeah, the, the subtle and, and repetition you, of the dialogue. And yep. then you, you kind of question yourself, but then the film re- does that same technique over again with less subtlety and then you catch on right and that's what that's what impressed me a little bit because the twist comes early yet they they continue to dole it out at you in a way that like doesn't lose your attention for up until the end basically right like even though it's it's not as if though they're just they're hiding the ball and then eventually they they show you where it is right they just they tell you i mean in pretty much plain terms that like look you know this guy's having a few episodes, you know, he's having mental issues uh, in terms of, well, memory issues, I should say more than mental issues. Um, and, and so, you know, that, and, and yet it was still just so captivating to, to see him struggling to piece things together and the way that his reality shifts. So, I mean, that's just, uh, you know, that's, that's a testament to the complete work, really. You can't even just say it's the cinematography or it's the, the narrative or the writing. It's everything coming together in the perfect way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I mean, I'm, I'm going to defend my narrative score because I'm lower than you guys. I just want to say it's mainly because the story itself, not much is happening. Like, we've already discussed the story in like its full yeah. full terms right now, um, in the preview even. So like, that's the only reason I went low. I just waited a little more for the direction in the writing and the acting and like the themes, obviously, considering I give it 100. But yeah, I, it's not to say that the story was bad or anything. That's all. Yeah, I think I think you could argue that the story is is quite simple. Um, if you were to break this down into like its bare bare bones, and I think this is difficult to do for the for a movie like this to actually give an account of what happened from start to finish, it's almost impossible. Uh, but you could argue that there's like three main events or like three days of his life, uh, of Anthony's life. Um, that we see and then we see those things play out and then blur into each other in different ways you you could yeah. potentially argue that um, you know there's there's a day where you know he gets in a fight with his caretaker and his daughter tries to convince him you know that we need to figure out your arrangement then there's there's a day somewhere where he's he's staying with his daughter in her home um, and there's there's a few incidents there and then there's you know a day where he kind of starts realizing what his reality is um, and he's actually in a nursing home. Y- you could make that argument and I-, I will give that as a as a brief summary of this film because it's so hard to do it otherwise. Um, but I think that's why I scored it up also because there there is different ways you can take these same puzzle pieces and fit them together and tell yourself one story of what's happened in his life and what's happened mm-hmm. with Annie. Um, and then you could deconstruct it and put it together in another way. And, and there's a plausible uh you know argument that either one is correct um or either one is incorrect and really there's no way to to argue against it so i think that's what i liked about this film in terms of complexity with a few pieces just being you know reused or reshaped yeah um okay so i i guess we kind of talked about the acting there's not much i need to say on it uh we we thought it was great right anthony hopkins just kills it in this role um olivia coleman was brilliant in this role as well. I mean, she's playing this daughter that's like very concerned about her father's condition. And at the same time, she is realizing the cost of it, right? And we're seeing her like come to that realization. 
um, her relationship with Paul. Uh, we have that one scene where she's like preparing dinner and she's looking out and she sees like a, a young couple um, like enjoying themselves, like, you know, laughing in a conversation. And she's probably thinking to herself, like, I could I could have that, um, but I need to take care of my father. Uh, the conversations that we have between Paul and Anne are um, like they're they're very striking. Now, this is one thing I didn't. Maybe you guys can clarify for me. Mm-hmm. I assumed, um, I made the assumption that if Ant- Antony was not on screen and it was just like Anne or Anne and the Doctor or Anne and Paul, um, that those were pure reality. Uh, whereas uh, if Antony was in the screen, it was from his perspective. Therefore, it wasn't, um, like you said, it's not really reliable. You're not sure exactly what happened when. Yeah, I, th- I think I'd, I'd agree with that. Um until I possibly see any counterexamples. One thing that comes to mind is yeah. like, why did Anne, um, like she chokes, chokes her father in the bed? Oh, she imagines it. She uh... she imagines that. Um, okay. Yeah, I think that one she she very clearly imagined because like they show right after that like she's like spacing out. She's like, huh, what's going on? Um, but yeah. and mm. it's <laughs> it's a little bit cheeky that they they put that in into their they insert that when there's already so much confusion about what's real and what's not. Um, yeah. But yeah, I think you could you could say fairly certainly by the end of it that okay, she's just kind of she's 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 daydreaming a bit um, in a kind of horrific fashion. Um, you know what? But... There's also the possibility that because An- Antony is um, confusing his daughter with his caretaker in the nursing home, mm-hmm. that it's uh, that it's uh, him thinking about an episode involving elder abuse. Yeah, I wasn't like again because Antony was in in the scene. That's the only reason I was like maybe this is Antony's dream or. A memory conflated with like yeah. Could we have another dream of his right where he dreams that he's seeing Laura in the hospital? Right, right. And that was I think that was pretty clear that that was a dream because the next morning he tries to go to like that same closet door and it's just a closet and not uh, not the hospital. But there's little scenes like that going back and forth that I was just left a little confused. But again, in the overall sense of the movie, like you know what by that point in the movie you know what you're in and Mm -hmm. um. I guess the point was not to make sense of it, but to uh, understand like why they would uh, think like this or why they why this kind of event would come across someone's mind. I think I'm okay with thinking that Olivia was daydreaming and maybe thinking I'm gonna take I'm gonna put him out of his misery as she because I think that was like after the dinner, right? Like after the dinner where uh, she probably thinks her father heard. Mm-hmm. Her yeah. and Paul talking about putting him in the home. <laughs> I mean, it's it's funny though to discuss. It's before this or before that. Like, really, we have no idea what happened when, um, right? Yeah. Because uh, we don't know when that when that dinner was. And I mean, it it, it could have been right before. It could have been just a memory that he was having that kind of got interspersed. And it's this whole mess of things. Um, this is a movie that I think, I don't know. Somehow, I think there's other movies which if they jumped around this much, you would walk out of it like, man, that was just too much going on. I don't really know, you know, what happened from start to finish. Christopher Nolan needs to clean up his act. Um, (laughs) You might say that, right? But in a movie like this, where once you understand that 
the the viewpoint is very fragmented. I don't think I was I don't think I was uncomfortable by that fact, right? I mean, it mm-hmm. uh, it was it was really difficult to to see him struggling in that way, of course, right? But you understood that that was part of what you were supposed to be absorbing. So I wasn't so concerned with trying to figure out, wait, what just happened and when, where did he come from? There, there, there wasn't that like level of kind of, uh, you know, anxiety kind of trying to figure out what's happening in this film. Right. So I think I was more comfortable with that level of uncertainty than, than you would be in a typical film. And they, they prime you for that early on, which was, you know, a good decision because that lets you kind of settle in and just process each fragment on its own. Um, so I, th- I think that was yeah. well done by them. I think that's an excellent point, especially about the part that they prime you early on because with the pace and everything, right? You don't expect the movie to take that turn where you're not able to rely on any of the details. I was, I was gonna, they they definitely make sure that you know you understand there's going to be some like cyclic storytelling here, right? Because the 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 first instance we see is him wondering where his watch is right and he's like where's my watch i i need to find my watch i think i think the caretaker you know stole it or whatever right that's like in the opening scene um so i think like the second or third time that he mentions like where the hell is my watch <laughs> by then you're like okay wait a minute like i think he's he's reliving some things and things keep coming up and then later you know the you know the whole idea of like having chicken for dinner it comes up like like 10 times yeah and so then you start realizing like okay hold on like it's the same day right it's the same day or he's he's misplacing the events or whatever's going on right but then you start realizing that everything is actually coming back to like kind of the same core events um so yeah i think inserting the whole dialogue about the watch early on that that really gave a good cue to you as a viewer as to like what frame of mind you should be in yeah and um early on is that first scene pretty much with Anne and her father where she tells her tells him that she's going to be moving to paris and we hear him repeat like i don't know eight times in the film like paris they don't even speak english over there. <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> And but but this that part was a little confusing because we have enough scenes with Anne in it saying, "What I'm not going to Paris." Um, so we can assume that scene would have happened, you know, before that first scene that we see in the movie where she does tell him that she's going to Paris. I don't know. Like, so there's definitely a lot of um, like she tells him that I'm not going to Paris. When they're at the doctors. So I don't know what day that was that he would have gone to the doctors. Maybe that would have been when he was initially diagnosed. I don't know. But like there was like some some scenes that were confusing me. Uh, I didn't again, I didn't put too much into it. I, I got the point that I was supposed to from it. Um, mm-hmm. But if you were trying to like piece it together, like we've been saying, it's not meant to be pieced together again, because we're getting it from the perspective of someone suffering from dementia and it's impossible to piece together. That's the, that's, that's the perspective the director wants you to have. What we do know is that at some point, his condition got too bad for Anne to handle and that he wasn't getting on with the caretakers. And so she does make that decision to put him in a permanent care facility, right? Nursing home. Um, yeah. And at that point, she would have told him, I'm going to Paris. That much we don't know, right? So his memories of... Her and telling him at earlier points in his life are probably false. They're probably, he's taking events. Uh, he's misplacing yeah. it. Yeah. And he's recalling him in the wrong portion of his life. Yeah. 
for, for the sake of, I don't know, just exploration, you want to try to piece together what happened uh, a little bit more concretely. And I, I think we're probably going to have to end up with two or three interpretations, really. But I think it would just be a fun exercise to try and to try and piece this together. Yeah. I mean, for me, it starts at that doctor's scene, I think. Anne is concerned about her uh, father and... Uh, I think maybe that's when he's getting diagnosed or like not maybe not diagnosed, but being told like, hey, it's progressed quite a bit. You're going to need some help. Um, And then we have probably the Angela, the original caretaker quitting and and coming in because that scene does take place, at least from what we see in Antony's flat. So I think while Angela was caretaking for Antony, he was actually still in his flat is when she quit that Anne was like, all right, for now, you're going to have to come live with me. So that's, that's when he would have moved with Anne, moved in with Anne. And is Anne still with her husband at this point? No, I think he's, she's been, like James, right, was his name? I think uh, I think they've been just divorced overall. Um, and she's been with Paul this entire time. Okay. Interesting. And, uh, yeah, I, I don't think, because... Even the other husband that we see, um, Sherlock's brother, uh, I should just say his actual name, something Gaddis. Yeah, Mark Gaddis. Yeah, Mark Gaddis. Um, he, I think he is just another version of Paul. Like he, Antony's is confusing Paul, mm-hmm. the actual Paul, with the caretaker at the uh, nursing home, just like he confuses Anne with uh, the caretaker at the nursing home. So, um, yeah, he's at Anne's place. And we go through this one day where, no, we go through two days there, in my opinion. The one with the chicken, where <laughs> they're going to have chicken for dinner that night. Um, and the other day where Laura, Imogen, Imogen Poots, is uh, going to potentially be the new caretaker. Those are the two days that we see. Actually, I'm not sure now, because I feel like I, at dinner... At dinner, Anne is asking her father, like, hey, how, how was it with the caretaker? Oh, no, no. That would have been his first day with the caretaker, like post uh, meeting her, I think. Yeah. So essentially what you're saying is that in one day she, you know, the, the caretaker comes to to meet the, you know, meet Antony uh, and kind of figure out if she's going to take the job. They have chicken for dinner that night and then yeah. she comes back the next morning to yep. pretty much start her service, right? Yep, yep. And you're saying everything else on the in his flat happens within those two days? Pretty much two or three days, yeah. Okay. No, not th- two. At least three, maybe four days. I, I think it would be disingenuous to say those are consecutive days, though, right? It seems like yeah, a lot. Yeah, exactly. Has... I'm not saying. Yeah, it's not maybe like. Sure. She yeah. Laura Laura could have come in one week and she was starting the week later, and we just see that day the week later. Like we don't see the time in between. Right, and then also at the same time, the the day in his flat that could have been months before. The you oh, know yeah, when, yeah. the day that we experience in in Anne's uh, home, right? Yeah. In fact, that's that is my that is my assumption that it would have happened at least like you know, minimum like couple couple weeks, you know, maybe two to five weeks or something have already passed since Angela has quit because now Anne is because Anne is not like acting like she has just started taking care of uh, her father at at her place. It's clear that she's been like handling this for a while now. And uh, same with the conversations that we see with Paul and Anne. Like, it's something that they've been dealing with for quite a while. And that's why the need for change is so... Uh... I, there was one line a little bit 
earlier on that I, I think I just kind of, because of the context, I assumed it to be truth, where Anne says something along the lines of, you know, remember, Dad, when you when you broke your hip right after, uh, at, right after you got into that fight with Angela, and then you had to move in with me. She says something like very quickly to that effect, and it goes uncontested, essentially, uh, meaning of all the things in this movie that Antony objects to and says, wait, did that happen? I don't remember that happening. That's not how it happened. That one, he just, he doesn't say anything and it kind of gloss, it gets glossed over, right? Um, and so I think that was kind of just a little nugget of of truth, right? Which, because, you know, most of the things in this film, um, he questions them one way or the other. So like, if there's any doubt, um, he, he was probably shouting about it because he he's so disoriented. Um, so I kind of assumed yeah. that the, the fact that he, he broke his hip at some point and he had to he had to move in with her. And that was the context in which they end up from his flat to, to Anne's flat. Right. That that which we see as kind of one fluid <laughs> movement. Right. We don't even get to we, we I basically I barely can tell those two locations apart in my head. You know what I mean? So uh, from our perspective, it's all one place. But clearly there was an incident that caused them to move. Right. And so I think that is probably what happened, which means by the time he's kind of recovered, which is what we're seeing, where he's like walking around and he's fine. It's probably been a very you know long time since he's moved in. Um, and at the same time, well, I yeah, and it gets so difficult to talk about because multiple actors play the same characters in this movie. But uh, Anne's husband is also very irritated at the fact that Antony is staying with them. And it seems like it's kind of built up over time because of how long Antony's been yep. there, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Like, it's it's taking a toll on their relationship. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that's the, the cause of the divorce, that they're, Anne Wait. and her husband are together. And uh, Antony's uh, stay in their home, in their flat, uh, causes the divorce because there's that scene where he uh paul is it seems like he's he's like he's either talking down to him or he's slapping him right you you can't trust what what's actually shown but there's a possibility he, he slaps him and then Anne sees that and then that was the cause of the divorce yeah, that's one right. interpretation. Oh. And this is interesting, though, because I think you have decided that the husband we're seeing is Anne's husband uh, prior to her divorce. Right. Uh, at the same time, they refer to him as Paul a lot in the movie, which would be her her new boyfriend who she's going to move to Paris with. Right. Uh-huh. I, I think the reality is we don't know which one it is. And, and that makes a huge difference for the chronology, because if it is James, who I think is supposed to be her, her ex-husband, that means that that, that incident happened uh, quite a long time ago um, and eventually led to their separation. Then they're, you know, she was probably by herself for, I don't know, five years uh, or more because it seems like at least Anthony mentions like, you know, mm-hmm. I haven't seen you with anybody since who, you know, and I can't even, I can't remember his name. What's his name? James, right? Uh, mm-hmm. And again, now we're also assuming that he remembered the name correctly, but um mm-hmm. And then so, there's so, all those um, incidences where he's questioning the nature of Anne's marriage, right? Oh, right? Are you divorced? Are you not? So that gives me pause to think that this does happen over a long period of time. Which means that, like, you know, he was in that state of, you know, his his dementia had been uh, getting worse for, for years. And then finally, you know, she has a new boyfriend. She says she's moving to Paris uh, and she decides to put him in a nursing home before she leaves. Right. That's yeah. one interpretation. On the other hand, if you think the husband that we're watching, uh, you know, in this film is Paul, her new boyfriend, then that's a completely different interpretation. That means that, you know, 
he moved in and, you know, they were trying to figure something out. And then eventually they decided, no, we have to move to Paris because, uh, you know, we just need to have our own life or something. You know what I mean? So Mm -hmm. that would totally flip flop the order of events in terms of what we're talking about here. I find that fascinating that either one technically could work as far as what we've seen. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, just another point, we get two scenes at the nursing home, like the one where Anne is dropping uh, her father off. And the other one where Antony, like, a very heartbreaking scene, like at the very end when he's like not even remembering who he is himself. Um, like, we get only just those two scenes as if it's just been one night at the home mm-hmm. or at the nursing home. We can, But through the conversation, we know that it's been months that he's been there because the caretaker tells him like, well, your daughter comes, you know, ever so often on the weekends to visit you. Um, she sends you postcards. Uh, so like Anne's been in Paris for a while, but we just get like, we pretty much get from the, our, our viewing perspective that it's only been one night. And, you know, for Antony, that's all it's been. It's like, oh, he just woke up and he's in a new place and he doesn't know where he is. He thinks he's still in his flat. Um, but yeah, I mean, I guess I want to kind of get into the themes at this point because I gave it a hundred. Uh, I think one commonality between this and all the other Oscar uh, nominated movies I gave them pretty high scores for the themes, and I mean, like, I I have no idea how you could go low on this. Uh, this this movie, like, the execution. But, but sticking with themes, right? Um, what concretely can you point to and be like, hey, that's a theme that I don't know. Um, so for me, look, it's one major theme that's a universal experience is of aging, uh-huh. and. Uh, this film probably captures a very uh, tough situation when it comes to aging. It's not like your standard uh, normal one, but it's it's not just capturing it well. It's conveying it like very cleanly mm-hmm. and respectfully, and it's scary at the same time. Um, it's very touching, like it says, heartbreaking, um, but it's also like very real. And that also just obviously goes to my acting score too because the the performances were also so great. Uh, but, you know, then we have some random symbols, not random, but we have very like deliberate symbols uh, that are presented to us, uh, like the watch, right? We keep talking about it, but that's a very clear symbol for what it means for Antony. It's like his one way of knowing, you know, it, knowing what the time is. Yeah helps him helps place him in his world it's it's his Without solid his, rock right that he can rely on exactly like it's the one constant that he has if he doesn't have his watch he doesn't know what time it is he's completely at a loss like he doesn't know what day it is at that point he doesn't know what time of the day it is like we have those scenes where he's he thinks that it's uh it's morning and he's just had breakfast but it's time for dinner already right um so and he doesn't have his watch in that scene and he's wondering like you know i mean it's Mm-hmm. And then it's wrapped up very nicely too at the end. I think at the nursing home we have the scene with the caretaker after Antony has his breakdown where he's like uh, crying for his mother. She tells him like, "Hey, look, it's sunny outside right now. Let's go outside for a walk. Uh, when you feel better, you know, we'll come back. We'll have some food, uh, and we'll go out again because it's sunny, right? It doesn't stay sunny long here because obviously it's in England, right?" Mm-hmm. Um, so she's the whole point is while it's nice, take advantage of it. Like while I guess you have your memory, your health, your uh, life, 
take advantage of it because it doesn't last that long. Like that's just the overall mm-hmm. message that we're getting from this movie. And it's like the last last part of the movie is like literally the last like quote. Yeah. It is the last quote cuz then yeah, they pan out to the to the leaves outside and it uh, goes to credits. So the underlying message yeah. is like that last line in the movie. Like I'm not I'm not solid on that my score of giving 80 to themes and let me explain a little bit. This is another case where the themes is the movie, right? And the movie yeah. is the themes. I define themes in this movie this way. It's it's about the fragility of memory and self-identity. And the whole movie is just an exploration of how important that is to to people to function, right? Um, and yeah. yeah. Really, like like you both have just articulated the narrative kind of carries the, you know, the take home message. Right. So like we're almost double scoring it if we're only looking at that. But I I think there's a lot more that we do look at here and we, we should point that out. Right. We're looking for, as Faraz mentioned, we're looking for symbols. We're also looking for for motifs. We're looking for political or social commentary, um, a- anything abstract, really. Right. We're we're looking for for those types of things. Um, so although the overall kind of central theme is the the fragility of of memory and end of life right there's a lot of different elements they use to to bring that out right and and the watch is a great one because you know that the watch doesn't really help him figure out what day it is or what year of his life he's in right it's it's just a, a mental thing and and you know it gives you some some nice dialogue as well right because he keeps saying that like how am i going to keep track of time if i don't have my watch right uh, and the reality is his whole life is a struggle of of trying to keep track of of you know what happened when right um so it it's it's more symbolic than anything there right um but but also like there's just there's so many layers to to how they show us how fragile things are Right. Um, so, Faraz, you mentioned that that quote at the end about how, you know, you got to take advantage of the, the sunny days while you have them. Right. That operates mm-hmm. on multiple levels. Right. So. So first is the level about, you know, here's your lesson on life, you know, take advantage of your good years. Right. At the second level, though, it, it's about somebody in his condition and how you hear this about dementia all the time. Some days they they remember who their kids are and who their husband was and all of that and on other days they just can't recall it right so in other days they just, can't they can't even function like right. there's very good days and very bad days and yeah that's what you're and we we on. see that here too right because there, there's whole days that he doesn't remember um so that one scene where he's still wearing his you know his pajamas and you know Anne is telling him that it's you know it's 8 p.m. time for dinner and he's like well I thought it was 8 a.m. um so, you know, some days are sunny and some days are not, right? And so there's just there's days where he's going to remember more about his condition and those are the good days, right? And there's some days where he's not going to be able to remember who his daughter is or what she looks like. And and you know, those are the the cloudy days essentially, right? So that the some of that dialogue really operates on multiple levels. Um and I think I think that's that's I mean, they just they couch things in really nicely and it's not surprising because I think I think dialogue is obviously focused on more when you're when you're talking about somebody writing a play, um, mm-hmm. and so being able to borrow a lot of that, you, you knew that the writing was going to be good. Um, so I'm not surprised that they they were able to work in things like that. But I, I think there's a lot of value there. Um, so I mean, just thinking about themes in like all the different ways it's presented, I think it's just it's really good here. 
I, I totally agree. And at one point about writing and the play, if there is one way you can kind of tell that this might be from a play is because of the writing. It's just super deliberate almost um, and, and very concise. And we can kind of tell just by how short this film is, like how much we're able to, how much they're able to convey through their dialogue con- uh, in such a short time frame. And I think that's something like you can, that's something that a play is written for usually. Right. Yeah. Like it, it's typical in a play to have, you know, some major events that you never get to see unfold, but you just you hear them referenced over and over and you get to fill in the details that way. So we really we never meet Angela, his his prior caretaker. We just hear so many times about what happened with Angela and, and how he treated her. And so you have to fill in those details. And that's because that's just like that's a that's a scene that. As, uh, as you know, when you're building a play, you're just like, okay, we're not gonna we're not gonna bother showing that we don't have that luxury. Um, we'll just tell the audience about it, and and they'll learn that way, right? So uh, there's so many things like that. I think in this movie, where you know you you have to piece together what happened off screen based on the dialogue, and so yeah, that's that's emblematic of a play, I think, right? Yeah. So the last thing I'll say on on themes, I think, is this is a film where kind of the things that they are showing you thematically, it's it's done in in a manner that is that is better than one could explain in words i think like when when and we talk about this a lot in terms of like what is the purpose of film right and i think uh for example me and farhan have discussed this a couple times in terms of what we expect and what we want from a film it's so different because you know some people are looking for like real art and some people are looking for for meaning and there's all these different ways you can look at it and i definitely fall in the second camp i'm i'm looking for like some solid you know meaning something you're conveying here like i i just do not know that i've ever seen the condition of a person with dementia depicted in a better way like in any sort of media like i just i just don't think that anyone can understand what it's like to have dementia better than by watching this film um like i even even just trying to explain to you what they showed and how they showed it in this movie i can't do it as well as they did it on screen and so that tells me like this film really just has value it it shows you something that you you can't learn another way i mean no matter how many times i've learned about what dementia is i, I didn't ever see it like this and it is terrifying to see it in this fashion um, and i think yeah. i think it's i think it's i mean i have no way of knowing this right none of us do um until you have it and then it's too late but you know, to know whether it's accurate, what they're depicting, but you know, the, the, the terror of, of not being able to remember what your daughter looks like and misplacing a face from somewhere else. And like the, those types of things were just, I mean, they were phenomenally showed. I just, I can't get over the the fact that, you know, yeah, I, I just, I don't want to ramble on, but the idea is that I, I don't think there's another way to show this. And that tells me that like thematically this movie has to be very strong. So, I mean, I, I docked it five points for, for something, I don't, I have to <laughs> look back at my notes to figure out why I gave it a ninety five and Faraz gave it a hundred. But but really, like that's what adds value to a film for me in terms of meaning. Um, so that's why I scored it up. Fahad, you talked about how like your day was just like dampened down after watching this movie. Yeah. Like that scene with Anthony Hopkins at the end, man, when oh, he breaks yeah. down, it's just again, it's heartbreaking. I mean, his performance is incredible, and just yeah, the the terror in his voice. Um, and just how horrifying it is as a viewer seeing that. And it's just like, again, we have no idea what it's like. Um, the perspective we get, I agree with you, Sifra. I, I don't know if I've ever seen anything where conveying what dementia is like 
like you know came through to me as much as it did in this film yeah um there is a parallel with another movie i saw i don't know if i have this right if i'm confusing it with another movie i think it was baba duck and it's not about dementia but it's about a mother's i think either postpartum depression or something else there's some condition going on and it just slowly builds up but it's 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 a forced perspective it's similar to this where it's like you follow this one character and you see strange things happen and you question the nature of reality um and it's also a horror movie and also like there's there's some deeper meaning behind it so yeah yeah that's that's a good point uh babadook is actually uh about i think i think just grief in general like you know losing okay. a losing a family member losing a husband is that or something like that right yeah so okay. it, it's focusing on that but you're exactly right because they you know they personify that 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 you know that feeling that emotion right so um and it's it's you're right it's very similar in terms of the way that they use a horror background uh to kind of trick you into thinking about deeper things right and i think that's what i enjoyed about this film as well because i think the way that they used um you know we should talk about the aesthetics more but you know the way that they used all of the, the you know the the cinematography and the the sound to really make you feel like you were watching like a thriller and like there was a, these eerie moments that's what really put you in the headspace of somebody who's going through that because that's what it that that's what it really is like from their perspective right so um babadook very similar in the same fashion yes yeah, so, i mean let's let's talk about those aesthetics of uh, yusuf i the word you use eerie that's exactly what, how i would describe the music i mean the opera music it's fitting, like in the context of you know that's what Anthony likes to listen to, and that's what he that's that's the music he's we watch him listening to, um, but it also plays in scenes where uh, one scene that's coming to mind right now is when after Anne has dropped Anthony off at the hospital and she's leaving the hospital, and you have like the orchestra blaring as she's walking out, um, and it's just eerie, and then you have those other scenes where. Again, we're we're not sure what we're seeing uh, because we don't know what's happening when because it's Anthony's perspective. Uh, when they're in the, when he hears the door open and close, and he's like, Who, "Who's here?" And he grabs like a fork, right? And it's happens to be Paul who's sitting in the living room drinking wine. Um, but it's like the other Paul. Mm-hmm. It's not the one that he remembers. He recalls a different one. So like that's where it gets like spooky almost, right? It's like, what's going on here? Um, Aesthetically, I went really high because of the sound. I really enjoyed the the score here. I really thought the visual effects were super important as well. Uh, just the staging in general. We mentioned this, how there's subtle changes throughout the entire film. Like there's a two-person couch in this spot at one scene. Next scene, it's just a single-person couch. Uh, you have the painting when it's there, when it's not there. Um, when you're in Anthony's apartment and you have like that chessboard next to the couch and then when you're in Anne's you don't uh the lighting fixtures are different the floors are different the kitchen is different I mean it just goes back and forth and it plays with you so many times that I mean and obviously it's all deliberate and I'm sure if you were to like really like watch it and take notes and like um place it within Antony's uh mind versus like what's I guess objectively real the reality uh, you probably could do it like I'm sure it's delivered to that level like I'm I have no doubt about it. Um, but like because it's done so well and it's so pur- purposeful and um, it's distracting in a good way, again, because it's making you question your own self. Like, like what are you seeing here? 
uh, that's why I'm so high on the aesthetics. Yeah, I mean, it really disorients you. And I mean, the details you're talking about, it's they're details that they don't use. You know what I mean? They, they don't use them for, for any purpose other than just to disorient you. You know what I mean? And it, it's it's stuff. That, so it's stuff that you would never notice otherwise um, exactly. because they're not going to bring it up in, in, in any meaningful fashion uh, for, you know, pushing the plot or anything like that like you know the backsplash tiles happen to change suddenly right and mm-hmm. why would you yeah. why would you notice that right but once you do notice it you're like wait what the hell's going on um and so you could really rewatch this movie just to get the value of that i think even the the bag that and brings the chicken home in is like a different, different bag a couple yeah. times right so like why like it's like a blue it's like a blue bag with in and it's like a uh, paper bag with uh with the other end, the caretaker end. Right. Like, yeah, it's it's creepy and eerie, man. It's like, what the hell? Yeah, I mean, and so, and th- those are those are scenes where you're already so jarred because, I, yeah, when Catherine, I think it is right. Catherine is the the uh, the nurse, right, at the nursing home, but oh, but yeah, but yeah, yeah. you know, she yeah. gets superimposed into Anthony's memories of of being in Anne's home, right? So you know, she walks in and she's she she says she's Anne, and he's like, who the hell is who the hell are you? Um, you know, so like you you wouldn't look at the bag in that moment right because there's so much else going on uh, but i love those little details um uh, and i mean i i always if there's those little details that just adds a second um you know adds value on a second watch basically i love stuff like that because that means they're really thinking about like the holistic uh perspective here and so yeah there's there's so much of that in this movie the details they the details are switched on you just so you as an audience, you're, not, you're never comfortable in trying to piece together yeah. what's, what exactly is happening. It's that forced perspective of dementia. I think that they do the same thing with the editing of this movie. Um, and so I'm going to, the editor, whose name is Yorgos Lamprinos, I guess. Um, that's as yeah. close as I'm going to get. Um, but the the way that he puts this editing together, it's it's just, like we talked about, it's so fluid between probably the three or four days over which all the events in this movie occur. Um, it's so fluid as he moves between those days, right? Some of them happening, you know, mid-scene. Um, and, and at the same time, like we discussed already, also, you can re-piece this together in a lot of different ways and try to make some, you know, reasonable sense of it. Um, and that that is a testament to, like, the, the, the good editing, right? Because he's chosen his takes very carefully in order to to give you that effect leave it confusing but also leave enough you know in there that you could try to reason your way through it and you know you'd probably come up with a lot of question marks nonetheless but it's just it's it's just it's perfectly done in order to keep you in in the frame of mind of antony i can't recommend this movie enough in terms of the whole the what you were talking about earlier just now yusuf about um you know what people look for in a movie this like has that balance of entertainment and art that hits it for me. Like it's it's there. Like there's so much technical aspects of this film that's so impressive. And then there's just the enjoyment of what you're watching. I mean, whether I mean I'm not saying that you're going to be like happy watching it, but like how it connects with you, how it conveys like relationships and like a tough situation like at a very basic level. Like it's it's just super well done i would agree i was also i was also going to mention or i wanted fahad to discuss uh ludovico and aldi <laughs> uh, oh Inaudi, i think i said it, his name it's kind of hard to do it right because there's that major score that they keep repeating that anthony's listening to and then mm-hmm. i don't know if i 
correctly assume like okay this music is Ludovicio or are we listening to the score that Antony's listening to like different portion of it so it's tough for me to talk about the music but generally I love Ludovicio's music standalone or whether it's in a movie yeah I, I wasn't I wasn't totally sure on that but I think the the music that stuck with me the most or the the sound elements generally was that eerie tone that they used over and over and it's like kind of like a I don't know, like a scratching, like a <laughs> uh, little like sound clip where, you know, there's there's just you can feel the gears turning and the the um, the level of skepticism kind of rising. Uh, and so they drop that in there every time something kind of went awry. Right. Something happened that Antony didn't feel right about. You know what I mean? And so I, I assume that is really the most of the, the that stuff is coming from from uh, from the composer. Right. Okay. And so. I was I was impressed with that I think because it just it fit the it fit the 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 space of this movie the headspace just perfectly I mean I think all we've been talking about in terms of you know making you feel what Anthony's feeling you're heavily relying on that um, because you you have to kind of feel his 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 panic you know what I mean um, so I, I think I think that's that's why I I felt really you know strong about that um, and it's worth pointing out by the way he also did the score for Nomadland. Um, I don't know if he didn't get a nomination for either one. And it may be like a technical thing where, uh, I don't know, maybe it wasn't original enough, perhaps. I don't know. For for Nomadland, his music was featured in it. Like he didn't like do the music for it. For The Father, he actually composed music for okay, it. Okay, I see. Right. And oh, I mean, I didn't, I don't know enough about this guy or anything, but uh, in general, I thought the music was very fitting and exactly for the reasons that Yusuf just mentioned. Yeah, they added to that whole eerie. Uh, component going on yeah. before okay so in a movie that were this positive mm-hmm. um let, let's do some like uh, let, let's be overly harsh i guess right <laughs> like like if you had to nitpick at some things in this in this film that you didn't like what would you point out that you didn't like and i you know understanding that we <laughs> obviously are all pretty positive on it it would be that um the story the plot right we we get a sense of what's going on in this movie what this movie is going to be about if you were to improve it, you could have something more revel, revel, revelatory at the end, um, where there's something, an additional piece of information revealed at the end, or we get some firm indication that this happened, right? These are the order of events. Oh, so we have some closure yeah, for ourselves. Yeah. I mean, I guess I want that, but would that make it a better movie? I don't know. Mm-hmm. Like, me wanting that, I think, is a good thing. Like, leaving me with that, with you that know, want. want. <laughs> sure. Yeah. I could see it. I could see it either way, I guess, because yeah, to it to a degree, it would be it would be nice to to know what happens, and I think it would it would not ruin the the flow of the movie because you know at the end of the movie when he's in the nursing home with with Catherine, this is one of the good days, right? He's he's actually processing what he's being told, and he's understanding. He's you know he's he's lucid. So so like him getting an explanation in that setting and being able to understand what actually happened if there's some sort of reveal um i think i that would have been okay um you know oddly enough i think i'm 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 still satisfied with with the way that it it does play out where they just leave a bunch of question marks um uh, because i think there's just there's so much to play with there um to try and understand you know the order of events like we said we're we're still not even 100% about you know whether the husband we're watching is is her new boyfriend or if it actually was her ex-husband or what <laughs> like so it's like it's it's interesting enough i think in the format that it's in yeah i guess i could say i wish the narrative was a little tighter around that because yeah the boyfriend thing 
I guess like whether Paul and James, like I don't know, like, I'm very confused about that still. Uh, but at the same time, man, like, like I get why they're doing it, and I actually appreciate that more than them just like making the narrative tighter for me. Right. The confusion was a function of of not only the the narrative but also the the themes uh and everything else right so you you can Mm -hmm. kind of justify it in that way i wish they just found a cure for dementia and he (laughs) he got cured (laughs) that's that's what i wish i think i think for me um i i thought the and we didn't we didn't really talk about writing in this movie the writing is very clever the way that they they come back to the same events and they just they say the same thing so many times right you mentioned the way that he he keeps mentioning how they don't even speak English in in Paris, right? Um, and of course the watch and the chicken dinner, um, you know Lucy and what she does, uh, and you know whether she's okay or you know why she doesn't come to see them. Um, the the caretaker Laura, right? She says a lot of repetitive things too, which then the nurse at the end of the movie is saying the exact same thing. So you kind of you start wondering what's coming from where. Um, they they the writing is very clever in order to you know just repetitively keep hammering you with these things and and create those parallels within the plot itself. So you start. I mean, it feels a little bit like wormholes because once somebody drops a line, then you think, okay, where was that mentioned before? And are we confusing this with that? Yeah. Right. It, it just it it builds these random bridges between different parts of the movie. So I thought that was very clever. Um, I, I did think some of the writing, though, and this is me being very picky, obviously, was a little bit underdeveloped. I think one scene where it really bothered me, and I, I didn't know whether to put this on the acting or the writing, but it was in that final scene in the in the nursing home where Anthony is basically breaking down and he essentially looks up at Catherine and says, I want my mommy. Um, <laughs> I was like, uh, it was, it was a little bit awkward in the, in that scene because I, and I, I think it was, it was, it's a difficult to deliver dialogue like that with any semblance of, of, uh, you know, seriousness. Of seriousness. Sure. Yeah. So it came off as a little bit weird and a little bit, uh, I don't know, cliche, I guess. Um, so there was a little, there was little moments like that, that I think they could have cleaned up a little bit. And I, like I said, I could probably, I put that on the writing, but I probably could equally put it on the acting. In my opinion, though, Anthony Hopkins was just put in a couple awkward positions, uh, in terms of the dialogue he had to deliver. So uh, this is me being extremely picky on a movie that I really like. Oh man. One scene with Anthony Hopkins is killing it as well. Well, I guess you're saying this one, he didn't kill it. I thought he did. And then <laughs> another scene that I think he did kill it is when he first meets Laura and he's like, you know, this jolly older guy talking about like, you know, how he was as a younger man. And then his tone quickly changes and he's just like, he's destroying his own daughter in front of Laura and just, oh man, that was like, that's where it kind of felt like a horror movie almost. Like just scary and like, oh, incredible performance because as Another thing from dementia a lot of people forget is mood swings is something that happens a lot to people who are suffering from dementia mm-hmm. um, for obvious reasons. Uh, I, I don't think it's that obvious. I, I mean, I think I think once you watch this movie, it's very obvious. And that's that's what I like. You know what I mean? Like, I, I never realized that. But when you see, you know, the, the flow of things from his perspective, um, you know, his his um, probably his freaking... level of frustration, right? With not knowing what's going yeah, on. And like paranoia. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. Yeah. When when you when you see like the 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 sequence of events that occurs in a short amount of time for him, then you, yeah, you you just, you understand why a mood swing would be a symptom of dementia. Um, and it's not really just a mood swing. Be- like you know, a mood swing is like to me, 
when somebody's mood shifts quickly for no reason. Um, so you could describe it like that in, in one sense, right? But but it's almost, it's there's more explanation to it than that in this case now, right? Because you get to see that really there is something that's triggering them, right? It's not just like a mood swing out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. Something is setting them off and sure. it's something that only they can really understand and see. There were so many moments where like, I almost wish like, I was kind of imagining in my head, like if I was to try to explain to Anne what Anthony was going through and why he's saying what he's saying, could I do it? I don't, and I don't think I could, even with words. Mm. going to say that this movie kind of equips you to um, to be more empathetic with a person that's possibly suffering from dementia, right? It gives you the understanding. It gives you, you can understand where their mood swing is coming from. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, it's not like you're, you're going to sit here and like blame him for his condition or his yeah. behavior. His daughter never does, were... right? We never see yeah. a scene where she's... She's mad or she's directing anger at him. Yeah, frustrated for sure, but yeah, not not angry. Right. Yeah, and I, I think I think we're we're not even discussing as much from from Anne's perspective what she goes through. Um, and Olivia Coleman, who I, you know, admittedly I I like her a lot, but I, I think she just does a really good job of smiling in a way that lets you know that there's like a lot of pain underneath. Um, and so you can mm. see her trying to you know trying to maintain whatever semblance of life her her dad has um, and not being able to do that and you know you, you don't blame her when she when she kind of gives up and, and puts him in a nursing home and, and tries to have her own life you can understand that as well I think I think so they you know they did a good job which we didn't discuss as much of of showing how difficult it is from her perspective right when she, when she when she is trying to to keep her her dad's life together yeah overall man this movie just made me really think about like all of our parents and and kind of you know just elderly people and like what they go through it, it's it was difficult to watch i mean you know all these these types of things uh you know it, you can't really like, like they discuss at the end i guess like it's it becomes more and more difficult to to enjoy those years and you can only enjoy them in short bursts um you know when you when you're able to kind of handle your condition for for short stretches of time definitely i'm sure a lot of us were thinking about like you know our own situation or Again, it's the universal concept of aging and like it's a horrifying look at it from this perspective, but like it's something that we can all relate to in some way. And that's why I think it makes it that much more of a touching film. I think you're right. I mean, the the, the other scene that came to my head was um, the second time she tells him that she's leaving for Paris and and he just kind of says like well what about what about me you're like you're gonna you're gonna leave me all alone oh, yeah, uh, and yeah. again Anthony Hopkins acting is what what delivers that film. I think the writing is actually fairly you know i I don't want to say it's simple but you know it's it's not overly complex but he just delivered it so well and it it really does hit i mean i I, like it there's a lot of pain in that scene on both sides so yeah the pain where like he also thinks he's been told that she's not leaving and he's confusing it right and he's like wait i thought you told me you're not but what happened to this wait you're gonna leave me i'm gonna be yeah man it's just yeah the more i think about it it's it's actually i mean that is the tragedy of dementia it's like these 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 sad moments or these like these, you know, discrete events that happen in life that are, you know, obviously tragic, right? Whether it is losing uh, a daughter as Anthony does, right? Or Anthony does. Um, whether it's, you know, just not being able to have your independence anymore, uh, your daughter moving away, all all of these things, right? He has to relive them over and over 
and over and over. And, you know, those are things that with time, it becomes easier to handle them and, and you know, overcome them. But he can't do that because he has to relive them every single every single day or every single, you know, week. Um, I think that was something that I, I hadn't thought about, you know, just how hard it is to deal with tragic events when you have to keep reliving them or reliving the, the news of them, right? Exactly. So we have like Anne who, who is never reminding him you know what happened to her her sister she just mm-hmm. she just like bites her tongue when he whenever he mentions her well like oh she just doesn't come visit me and Anne just doesn't say anything because she knows like well, i don't want him to go through sure. the grief of rem- knowing that she passed away but she probably does have to explain that she's you know she's away she's abroad or something making up an excuse something neat maybe right? but like we don't like she like from what we see she just she just keeps her mouth shut and she says like lets him think whatever he wants to think, right? And then let's, just goes on about her day, hoping that you know that that moment will pass in his mind, and they'll go on to something else. Yeah. I mean, this is the discussion, so hopefully you've already seen the movie. But if you've listened all the way through here and haven't seen it yet, watch it. And in fact, I probably am gonna watch this one again. It's, it's rare for me to watch like a movie two or three times, but like again, I think it being short helps, but. It's also just that good that it's definitely worth the second watch. While it's watch. good, I think it's going to be a hard rewatch just because it is so sad. Just because it's emotional or sad or heartbreaking, like I don't like it's still worth watching. I guess once you you got to be ready for it. That's all. Yeah, I think I agree. I'm promising young woman is one we discuss. Same thing. It's like you know, it's there's a little bit of a you know you have to be able to stomach certain things, but it's it has value to it. But I, I think pr- promising young woman is. is how do I say this? I think it's less delicate with that subject matter than than this movie was. I think this like they just they're so careful about it where I almost I almost feel like it's, you know, it's it's an education that you get out of this film, like straight up. Yeah, there's a sense of realism here that um, that hits home. Yeah. I, like I said, I mean, I just I think this movie shows you the thing that it's going to show you in a way that other things cannot show you that same thing. Um, and I don't know if I can say that about, you know, other films that are, you know, thematically strong. I don't think I could say the same thing. So it's almost like, yeah, this one, you just have to stomach it and watch it because I just <laughs> think it's a good lesson for everyone. I'm not sure how you can recreate it. Oscar favorite. You think so? Yeah, my my favorite picture? for sure. If it, if, it, if it was me, this this is 100% better than Nomad. Oh, yeah. No which doubt. which I, I, on the record, said... Did not deserve to be a movie. <laughs> Probably the <laughs> harshest thing I've said. <laughs> That's true. You did say that. Um, so, yeah, I mean, and I, I, what I'm hoping is that the reason, you know, this happens, right? It's all about momentum going into these award seasons. Mm-hmm. This movie came out extremely late in the cycle. So it may take a little bit more for it to gain that momentum. And now, we're, you know, we've got very little, you know, margin here right and this this episode is actually probably going to air after the oscars are already out so as a listener you may already know what happened but i'm just hoping that it's it's peaking a little bit later than nomadland and say you know a few of the other films and it's gonna it's gonna get there in terms of the momentum so that's what i'm hoping yeah the fact that it was only available after the golden globes i mean at least for us here in north america kind of lame (laughs) (laughs) yeah I mean, it probably was available in some way, but like maybe like very limited release, at least for us, like in our Chicagoland area, it only became available like uh, two weekends ago, like at the very end of March. All right, guys, we're gonna leave it at that. Thanks everyone for listening. We'll be back next week. Peace. Thanks for listening to this production of The Twice Over. If you enjoyed this episode, consider subscribing and sharing it with a friend. Want to see what your tally is? Check out thetwiceover.com. All the movies we've done are listed there, as well as what we're watching for the current week. 
follow us at the twice over on twitter instagram and facebook where you can leave us any suggestions feedback or comments and if you're about it you can also support us on patreon the music you hear on this podcast is from amerigo gasaway you can find his work on bandcamp and spotify